This is Death Before Dishonor. I'm Genesee. My character is Anatari. She's a good aligned Kalishtar war priest. I'm Daniel. This symbol is renowned for being associated with the Rod of Orcus, the artifact that I'm after. I'm Eric. My, my name is, is Cesar. I was a, a slave worker for the uh, undead armies of Thay for 75 years. And I'm Tinzian. Shall we start this over again? <laughs> One of the beauties of D&D. Can't end the story. Goes anywhere you want it. Now, tonight, welcome to part six of the Kalishtar series. For those of you who have been keeping track, this is one of our longest-running series uh, to date, in terms of a themed bunch. Last episode, the party sort of went through the aftermath of the Shadow's attempted attack, and uh, Carl found that he was actually kind of liked by the end of the whole mess uh, within the city, and was given somewhat into... uh, the good graces of Todd. I believe we're calling him Todd. Sure, sure. Todd, Todd. the expert in memory retrieval. Todd, the thought master. Uh, Todd, any relation, the master. Any relation to Bishop Todd back or? No, it's not. No, it's no, 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 no. That, that's, oh, that's Jeff. Jim, that's Jeff. Jeff, Jim, Bob. That's okay. not Todd. I don't know all these newfangled names that you kids have. <laughs> um, anyways. Uh, so we left off, Xanatari was in the Chamber of Memories and was in the process of dumping her memories to share with the Kalishtar eventually. 20 uh, points to Gryffindor. Yes, indeed. Yep, so she was kind of just cramming it all in there. The crystal. <laughs> Another 30 points for Gryffindor. To Gryffindor. Hufflepuff, well, they're just still stoned, so deal with it. So. <laughs> Florian's like, damn Americans, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Unfortunately for Carl, he's using, like, Dragon Naturally Speaking to translate all of my gibberish over into German, and I think he's probably wondering if it's French or Korean at this point. I'm not sure which, but um, he just kind of nods his head every once in a while, and I sort of presume that he understands what I'm saying, and I know he doesn't, so, oh well. Um, so, uh, Carl, you are inside the memory tower. You've been allowed in. Xanatari wanted to keep you somewhat at arm's length uh, so that your effects did not potentially corrupt her memories, or bring the tower down, or that sort of thing. Xanatari is still sitting, sorry, um, Cesar is still sitting outside because he didn't want to come in due to all the lack of mechanical items to uh, tinker with, and I believe that there was lack of a children's play set or He was treating it like a nail salon. He just really was not interested in coming in to see all this girly stuff. Yeah. Is kind of like getting sent off to just uh, some end of the mall that you just really... He was holding the purse. So, he's outside holding the purse. Zantari is grasping one of the crystals and seems to be quite intently focused upon it. Ah, yeah, orange, right? Um, Orange, there's a little time funkiness for you going on here while we're um, doing the side thing with Carl. Okay. Just for the sake of a story bit. 
And so, Carl, you are watching from the doorway, which uh, seems to be where you were sort of left off by Walsanatari and Thoughtmaster Jeff. Sorry, Thoughtmaster whatever. Thomas? Tim? Um, Tim. Thomas. Damn it. The Thoughtmaster. <laughs> His name okay. is so riddled in the thoughts that he cannot be contained by mere words and names. It's a Friday. It's the 1st of August. It's a long day. Yes. Okay. Uh, Carl, what do you want to do? Oh, he would <clears throat> just standing there watching occasionally, um, standing on his toes to try to look over Sanitary's shoulder to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a reasonable-sized room, probably about the size of a office conference room. And um, you can get a good idea of what she's doing, either through various changes in colors that are shining up against her face, or you can see her holding something. Um, it doesn't seem that anyone in particular is trying to block your view. Also, you would just um, just watch it without saying anything or doing much. Uh, if this is a, was a Larry, very lengthy process. Mm-hmm. At one point, he would just uh, sit down on his <laughs> um, with his uh, legs crossed, and well, if it would be a very long process, he would probably doze off uh, at one point. Okay. Um, judging from your sense of time scale, uh, for boring, that's probably going to be about five seconds. Oh, what did he just <laughs> say about you, Carl? He's a monk. He's always on the move. He's got things to go. And um, before you're able to start contemplating dozing off, uh, the Thought Master comes over and actually extends a small cylindrical rod towards you. Mm -hmm. It's made out of a blue sapphire crystal. Mm, Okay. And it is uh, flat on either end. Mm hmm. You understand, Carl? Uh, I think so. Carl would, uh, have a, um, would look questionably and uh, extend his hands. Okay. Um, the Thought Master is, uh, smiling and he, uh, by the way, we have now been joined by the co GM for the evening, uh, Freddy. You, for those in the chat channel, as always, you will hear him purring up a storm. Um, those of you that are listening to this on iTunes after the effects, it'll be edited out. You really should come and just uh, um, listen to the live stream. So, um, the Thought Master, Carl, looks at you and tells you that this might help you to start to figure out what's going on with you. Um it is used by the younger generation within the Kalashtar to try and get a grip on the voices that they're hearing as part of the hive mind. Some are gifted in being able to hear what the um, the others are doing, sort of like how Xanatari has a group mind link or speech. Um, he makes it clear that he's not viewing you as a child, but in terms of what your experiences are for this particular um, art, for lack of a better word. 
you're pretty much a novice. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you do take it? Yes, I take it. Okay. Um, what do you do with it? Uh, well, um, I'll turn it around in my hands, look at it, um, look at Todd, and ask, and what do I do with this? <laughs> okay. Um, as you're sort of rotating it, there are brief, or what you seem to perceive as brief glimpses of sort of a shadowy white figure or shape that might um, harken back to your past. Like maybe the outline of your mom's face or something like that, but it's kind of like just out of the corner of your eye. Oh. Uh, oh, this is nice. Haven't, haven't seen this before and uh, staring at a crystal very intently, trying to get uh, a clear focus, turning it very slowly, trying to get uh, to um, get the images to become more clear to him. Okay. You find that as you sort of move it a little bit faster, you actually are able to get kind of that clarity. So he would try to get um, a fix on a point of his history uh, he was aware of. So like before he left his parents, he would try to access this memory as a sort of um, um, like calibrating his memories to uh, orient himself in his stream uh, of, of memories. Okay. And try to slowly moving on uh, towards a point he uh, is aware of that he uh, hasn't has this uh, had this memories present in him. So he would try to use this uh, crystal to access m uh, memories lost to him. Okay. Do you want to tell one of the memories you do know in an effort to try and help you get at this? Hidden memory. He would um, access uh, one of his last um, conversations with his parents, basically the points where they told him that it would be uh, better for him to go uh, <laughs> from from his um, home and find some sort of purpose or uh, at least um, uh, things to, to do for him to keep him from getting bored and doing weird things. He's supposed to leave, you're gonna be bored? Get out! Do you want to tell people maybe, um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, trying to build, build the story for you. For those that aren't part of Carl's head yet, do you want to share one of those things that maybe your parents would have asked you to, um, leave about? Oh, just to remember. Well, <laughs> Sorry his, a little bit. You have a half work. You're half work, right? So half work, and what's the other half? Human. Human. Which one mm. is the half work? Uh. Well, uh, his mother was an orc. Uh, his father was a human. Okay. Or is a human. That's what I'm He's asking. Alive. Okay. So he would uh, remember 
having his mother's hand in his left uh, hand, his father's hand in his right hand, both looking at him, he concerning and telling him, you're a strange man, little boy, um, we really love you, but don't you think that the world is like calling out to you sometimes? Carver would uh, recall him going, well, when I listen to the bird calls, I something sometimes try that they are trying to tell me something. Yeah. <laughs> At which point his parents would go, no, not like the bird, uh, bird calls, more like the world at itself, uh, calling you to, to be more like, more a part of it itself. And he, in his memories, he looked at him, uh, then very, um, <laughs> not, not a pride and go, uh, not too <laughs> sure what you mean by this. <laughs> And his mother would go, well, do you know it? Do you rem remember the tree? Alright, you, you really remember the tree. You, you, well, I think you punched down. Good. Oh, oh, I, I remember the tree that, that wanted to be punched down. Yeah. What about it? Carl, you know that it's not normally, people don't normally punch down trees. They, they use hatchets. And you had a hatchet at the time. <laughs> Well, maybe, mom, maybe normally trees don't want to be, uh, to be punched down, but this one really wanted. So this wasn't a problem for the tree. This mother would take a deep sigh and, well, you're right. Normally trees don't want to be punched down and this one, I don't think it was an exception. So what you did was very strange and normally, well, you know, I'm very strong <laughs> and I couldn't have done this. Your father's very strong too and he wouldn't uh, have been able to do that also. So I still don't know how you did it. Come okay. look, but look at his hands and say, well, maybe I'm, but you know, Daddy is strong, you are strong, so maybe I am as strong as you both because I'm your child? <laughs> at which point his parents would look at each other and go, well, I, we don't think it works that way, <laughs> otherwise <laughs> it will be all very, very strong. <laughs> okay. So, now, for the benefit of those that are listening and haven't read all the documentation and stuff like that that you've given me. And since Carl is at this point an NPC and we're getting near the end of this particular um, series, do you want to go back and give any of the details about sort of a backstory synopsis for people as to how your parents met or what life was like growing up? What, what your household was like, since there'd probably be snippets of that coming through here. This is a chance for if you want to, I know it's going to be more Carl heavy this episode, 
than Xanatari or Cesar. But do you want to present anything regarding Carl to the audience? Well, I uh, can try to give a brief summary of his biography, so to speak. <laughs> so, um, so let's say just before this point, he uh, tries to access his earlier memories and uh, the things that his parents told him about uh, how they met and how he was born and raised. So he knows that his father um, was a, well, is a normal human um, raised up uh, in a in a vi- uh, small village, but he wasn't very um, popular in this village. He was hasn't done anything wrong, but he was stuttering very heavily and had problems to um, <clears throat> find friends and be accepted into the society. He was bullied very heavily by other children and looked down by other adults. And at some point in his uh, late youth, he just left and tried to make a life for itself as a, a, well, I think a poacher and lumber chief and uh, maybe lumberjack and and at some points in the in his life, um, maybe two years later, he uh, found a very uh, severely injured uh, orc, orcish orc, uh, orc girl in the woods, and because nobody had really warned him too much about orcs. He decided to help her and nurse her back to health. <clears throat> and the old girl uh, was left there by her um, her hunting party because she was uh, gored very badly by a wild boar and <clears throat> uh, basically left her for dead. Uh, her hunting party party was and was unable to find her and. A few hours later, he, they just left her because even if she um, would have been still alive, she wouldn't have uh, been seen as worthy of being part of the tribe anymore because a hunter that gets hunted <laughs> by uh, a wild animal isn't worth very much and more a liability of the tribe uh, and less an asset. So... Um, his mother, uh, Dora, uh, well, later his mother, <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, accepted the hospitality and care by his father because she knew she couldn't uh, just go back and hadn't too much of a choice because she was too injured heavily. And decided to stay with this human that obviously Obviously, obviously, <laughs> didn't mean her any harm. So they lived together in the small hut and hunted together, became friends, and well, at one point, become more than friends. And this was how Carl was born. <laughs> a few, uh, 
well, say, say another two years later. So Carl was raised here in this hut. Um, <clears throat> his parents hadn't, I don't think he ever met uh, other children. He just only knew his parents and had a very secluded life, which he was fine of because he didn't know another life. He didn't know how it would be to have friends and uh, uh, knew more people than his parents. Occasionally, his father would take him to the village and uh, to sell um, his furs and uh, and and lumber. So. Carl was aware that other people um, existed, <laughs> but he was also aware that they often looked down at him, um, especially as he wasn't a half-orc and that wasn't socially accepted in the village or anywhere else. <laughs> okay. So, um, as this kind of upwell of emotions and memories happen um, looking up you would find that the memory guy is has knelt down in front of you on one knee and is sort of watching your face as you're looking at these images and he asks you if you've encountered anything new <clears throat> mm. I go and um... This seems all very familiar to me. This, this are memories I recall, and uh, this is my life how it was, and I, I liked it. So, oh, let me let me just um, try to recall this this free thing that my mother thought was so strange. And he would take the um, the crystal, and in his memories, skip ahead a few few years, and try to focus on this particular event. Okay. Let me pause you for just a moment. Um, Xanatari, your entire process is fairly quick. You, the crystal is now orange. And as you are starting to come out of the transfer process, which to you is essentially a blink, um, all this is really taking place within five minutes, so it's not like a weird kind of wonky deal. Um, the Thought Keeper comes over and takes the crystal from you um, and places it into one of the alcoves. Okay. You don't feel any different, like you've had a uh, loss of memory. Mm -hmm. You don't feel like anything has been added into your head. Um, seems like the process probably went fairly smooth. Okay. Xantari is relieved that it didn't turn out to be the ordeal that she was afraid it would. Okay. It looks like the um, the rest of the crystals that are located in the room are not reacting poorly in any way. There's not like a crackling or a flaring of light at any point in time. They just seem to um, be going along. So there's this sort of weird blue-colored... Uh, I'm sorry, um, blue-colored crystal that, yeah, orange for you, but in Carl's hand, if you go looking along, there's a blue sort of uh, 
thing sitting there. Okay. Hang on as I think. Yes, we have Cesar. Good Hello. evening, sir. Hello. <laughs> you have unfortunately missed uh, the first part of story time with Carl. Is Cesar dead? Um, no, but if but if you would like, um, we can have Carl go back all the way back to the beginning and restart <laughs> and can. restate word no. for word um, everything, or otherwise you can wait for the Cliff Notes audio version on. Um, Carl's parents with- met. They made out. Carl was born. End of story. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> it was a sordid tale, but it's over now. Mom, mom's the uh, the more tribal bohemian uh, half orc. Uh, yeah, surprise! The half orc is his mom. Yeah. Or the the full orc. He's the half orc. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So looking over, you see your orange crystal. Uh, and then you can spy uh, Carl sitting off on the side. Mm-hmm. And by the doorway, and he's got a rather blue, oddly blue colored uh, cylindrical crystal in his hands. You might recognize it from your childhood days as being sort of a training tool. Ah, okay. I would smile because I'm glad that Thomas Todd, the memory king, has uh, taken taken, uh, Carl seriously because he was here lingering for a way long time waiting to get Mm -hmm. help. So I'm glad he's finally getting that help. Okay. Um... And it seems like there's actually something going on with the crystal and Carl. So there's some sort of interaction going on, and you can tell that uh, Todd, the memory guy, is um, paying attention to what's going on. Cesar, you're outside. What do you want to do? Anything? Um, I mean, in the little bit that I missed there, I mean, have they been in there for days? I mean... (laughs) Or is this basically where we left off? Uh, where they left off, it's probably been 20 minutes, if that. Um, well, he's not really aware, you know, he's not sure how long it's going to take. I mean, it could be something where, you know, they may be done in the next five minutes, or, you know, it could be all day. Um, so, realizing that, he's probably going to, um, I guess he kind of did this before, but um, maybe stay away from having a drink, but looking around, see if there's anything <laughs> to, dis- to distract him. Not too far. Um, so he can maybe, you know, pop back and, and check in and see what's going on. But okay. uh, something at least to uh, see if there's anything that can occupy him or, you know, just rather than just sit there and stare at the ground. Um, nearby, there is a printer's shop. And from out in the streets, you can hear the clunk and whirl of a mm. rather badly tuned um, stamp press. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it's got a lot more gears and movable bits than it may or may not need. So it's kind of some Rude Goldberg style mm-hmm. inefficient printing press. Okay, that's right up his alley. He'll uh, head on over there soon. I mean, I don't know what kind of a build. I mean, that has like maybe as a storefront or whatnot, but you know. Yep. There's a there's a storefront, and it looks like this thing is so big that they had to kind of tear the back of the building out, and it's out sitting in a surrounded back courtyard that's got a a tarp, colorful tarp. Okay. Over the top. All right. Maybe then just you know swing around back, you know, take a look, see if anybody's back there. 
Mm, there's an older, older guy that is working on feeding paper into the press in between each thump of the mm-hmm. print head. Um, there's a myriad of uh, children that are scampering around the rest of the machine trying mm-hmm. to um, squirt bits of oil and color and everything else. It seems like everyone's needed to try and keep this thing going, but the older guy seems to be trying to get in as many sheets of paper before the <laughs> frescoes boom for whatever period of time, but okay, he seems um, fairly intent on the process. Uh, he'll... Uh get close to him and say, uh, uh hel- hello there, sir. Is, uh, is this your, uh, uh, piece of machinery here? Um, not used, probably used to having someone talking to him during the thing. He kind of shouts towards one of the kids for, uh, you know, trying to find out what the kid said and the kid just kind of shrugs at him and he just shouts back that, you know, he, he needs to put in more blue. Um, they're running out of blue. Okay. And then he just kind of looks around real quick and notices that you are within earshot, and he's very much surprised. And one sheet of paper is badly positioned and kind of comes down, and um, it is a wasted page, to which the guy seems very surprised about. Okay. Um, uh, he'll wave whenever he catches his eye and uh, say and repeat the question. Is this... Uh- is this your uh, your piece of work here? Your uh, your press? Um, the guy the guy nods. Uh, he's definitely trying to feed it. You you see him kind of lift his lift his head uh, in 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 a, in a greeting, and um, he shouts back that uh, yes, it is, and it has been in his family, and he's not quite sure how much longer it will be in his family. So he's <laughs> attempting to get this treatsy out um, that he was paid. Uh, some money to try and get out before it does mm-hmm. this last. Um, probably I've already seen a, a few things, few easy fixes, let alone some of the more um, maybe involved things that need to be done to, to get this in better working order. He'll uh, he'll roll up his sleeves and, and yell over the, the machine. I uh, I have a, a, a bit of a knack for, for things like this. I see a few things uh, that maybe could help, uh, you know, keep it afloat uh, a little while longer, maybe make it a little easier to run even. Uh, you mind if I, uh, you know, uh, make a few adjustments here and there? You should be able to, uh, to keep working as I do so. Um, the guy considers it, and you, you sort of, like, see a, a fear of it stopping. And he, he just shouts back that, you know, he agrees he can't stop it because um, he doesn't know if he'll get it going again. But uh, it, it's something along the lines of your hide. Okay. Um, but he, he seems to approve... The if you get near the kids though, they seem to have a pecking order. There's their station. You'll have to be very careful not to get in their way. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, he'll you know sort of do a brief overview of the machine, point out some weaknesses or flaws or issues, and uh, do what he can with whatever's at hand to uh, to maybe you know get it working a little better. Okay. Uh, Carl. Going back to you, um, you've seen that Xanatari is back and, and paying attention to you as you start the process of trying to, as you said, you were going to fat, try to fast forward 
a little bit. Um, let's pick up with you there. So, at this point, I think would Pugi uh, get distracted, look up at Sanitari, and ask her, oh, uh, she's finished. Can, can I try her, uh, her crystal now? I mean, these are, these are my memories, so they're not too exciting for me. Her memories would be very exciting. Can I try them? This is a question to Todd, Tim, Thomas, right? Um, no, I think he's actually asking you, Xanatari. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I don't know about that. Xanatari's torn. Like, on one hand, uh, I mean, I don't, she doesn't really understand the process of what's involved with the stuff in the crystal. Like, if this is something that can be tampered with now, or if it's just like you can, you can look at it. Um, I guess you would turn to Todd Thomas king of the memories and, and ask for clarification because the point was to get them in there and keep it in a tamper-proof area that Carl couldn't mess with so handing it to Carl at this point is probably a little bit counterproductive um, Tim Todd the memory guy uh, kind of bites on his lip for a couple moments and looks over at the crystal which is glowing orange it's still the same color as when you um, had put it down he goes well um, for what we understand the memory should be within the crystal lattice and, and fixed so they shouldn't be able to be modified anymore and I did put a ceiling spell on it when I put it into the alcove so he might be able to get the memories out, but I don't think he can get anything in. It's kind of why we did that as you... He kind of looks at your face and sort of leaves the option up to you. I'm going to say to him that if he chooses to disseminate them now into the Kalishtar, then I will let uh, Carl like have the same knowledge. Like I'll let him look at the crystal and acquire that knowledge, but I want it disseminated before Carl looks at it. Okay. Um, Tim Todd nods and goes over to the crystal, and you can tell that he is studying what is on the crystal, looking to see if there's any gaps or, you know, any sort of uh, corruption on the medium, as you might say. Mm -hmm. And he waves you over, and um, it seems to give you an affirmative answer that uh, you know your your memories look like they are able to be to be added in, but um, it'll have to be you that releases them. Okay, uh, that's interesting because girl can look at them without my release. So how do I do that? Well, it's more it's more of a formality. It's more of kind of doing the the introductions to <laughs> Hi, my name is Zanatari. It's been two and a half years since I've been back. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's kind of the it's a it, it's it's sort of a handing off. You are handing your memories and your history that you still retain but you were adding them into the collective. So it's just kind of a, um, a thing where you let the crystal, um, beacon be like a beacon and okay. start to 
spread it out like a, a radio signal, a Walkman or whatever it is. Okay. Uh, she would take in her hands, close her eyes, sort of cup her hands over it, take a really deep breath and just, uh, you know, let go enough that it can be accessed by everyone. Okay. What you feel after doing that is that your memories are both within the crystal still, but also outside of the crystal. Okay. So they, they, have, they have been released, and there is not any sort of feedback or mental lashback. Okay. You don't, you don't feel like anything tripped that was would cause the, the signals in the room to go crazy or anything else like that. Okay. Um, she would look at Todd, Tim, Memory King, and uh, sort of raise an eyebrow and be and inquire the fact that Carl has kind of a baby uh, rod here to look at memories, and she's about to give him, like, master level rod to look at memories, might just explode his brain. So, uh, you know, that's sort of up to to this person to decide if that's something that's going to melt his head or if it's something that he can truly look at and assimilate in a, in a way that is non-Kalishtar. Tim looks like, again, starts biting his lip and then his face kind of smooths over. And you get a distract, for the moment you sort of get a distracted, like he's looking through the memories that you've just released. It's kind of like probably like everyone else is looking for interesting bits. <laughs> um... You don't hear, by the way, the sudden sound of, within the last 30 seconds, a mob forming outside. Right. Are, Get out! Um, you don't sense judgment either from Tim, but you don't know where he's at in terms of your memories. He kind of shrugs his shoulder and he goes, I don't know what at this point will happen with Carl. He's definitely his own unique being. Um, he's so he's, special. He's getting something from... This rod, he's trying to find a, a piece of himself. He seems to be very hungry for information, though, so I don't know if giving him, you know, all these memories would be a good or bad thing or help stabilize him. You know? I guess um, she's going to take uh, the orange crystal with her and, and turn to Carl and say, Carl... You are welcome to look at these, but I would like you to concentrate on retrieving your own memories first because, you know, you're supposed to be looking into that rod for that. If you have a lack of memories, my concern is that you looking at these, they're going to just replace your own and you're going to have an identity crisis. So I'm going to keep this and you can look at it when you are ready, but you're here to retrieve the past. And I'm afraid that if you look at my past without your own that might be a overlap that's dangerous to you. Okay, so if you say so, yes, you're probably right. Okay. I can just see Carl like, my name is Senatori. No, no, my name is Senatori. No, no. Yes, just what you need, a half-orc monk with a confused look of a uh, chocolate lab. Yes. Toy? 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 <laughs> Food? <laughs> okay. Um, so, Carl, you've had a question answered. Um, 
a proverbial carrot has been dangled in front of your face, um, provided you do your uh, your schoolwork, so to speak. Do you want to continue the process that you have begun with your own memories? Yeah, carrot, what uh, and uh, look back on his uh, own crystal and try to uh, continue where it left off. Which was probably the tree thing, <laughs> I think. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay. So, um, he, uh, what we call him, um, um, being there out there in the forest with a hatchet, and because there's not too much <laughs> to do for him, he would sometimes get bored, um, and try things that are probably not always safe to do, like uh, chopping down a tree's tree uh, with closing his eyes first. What? <laughs> and, <laughs> and would um, uh, extended his hands, would him run down the tree and then shut his eyes, take the hatchet and uh, try to chop down the tree while was uh, out uh, looking um tried to imagine how the tree would look now that he had taken a few chops out and after he would have chopped him uh, a few times he would open his eyes again and tried uh, and uh, compared his imagination of the tree with the real tree and to see if his uh, view of what he had just done would match the rea uh, reality. <clears throat> and, yeah, this is well, something he always, as uh, he often tries, he imagines, imagines things and compares them to reality. So he would try to start a fire, um, without looking. And once he, uh, fears the warmth and, and hits the fire roaring, he would then open his eyes and uh, see if his imagination of the fire was correct. So he had done this um, with a few trees now and uh, well was very pleased to find that <clears throat> uh, his imagination uh, sometimes really matched reality and he was um, able to to feel the um, and uh, feel the way that he had um, taken a few lumps of the tree <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> in a way that would really uh, match the way he sorry a little bit <laughs> well and still uh, having closed his eyes he would walk towards the next trees and would run Face first in a tree that he didn't recall uh, was uh, that it was there, <laughs> <laughs> and go ouch, and open his eyes and look at the tree, and go. I think I have already chopped it down. This this is wrong, and close his eyes and go through his memories again. Um, at some point he would hear footsteps from behind him, but. Um, wouldn't look because he was just sure that this was his mother. And he'd 
go through his memory and it would be a little bit hazy, but he would recall that he had chopped the street down. And he tried to focus on this memory and get a little bit angry that either his memories were wrong or the world was wrong. And because his imagination uh, so often matched the real world, he was, he, uh, grows very sure that, um, the world is wrong. And he got really angry about this tree screwing up his, his memories. And like, uh, unleashing a coil in, inside his, his muscles that had wound up for the last few years, he would, um, and unleash, unleash his anger and, um, maybe his anger, uh, this, this anger about being, being wrong this time about, uh, his, his memories and just lash out with his palm and try to, to shift the reality into something that he, uh, that he thought it should be. And this time he would hear a loud thud and the tree going boom. Then he would open his eyes again and look at the tree and not because the world is now saved. It's now <laughs> how it should be. He would turn around and look into the, uh, the playing face of his mother, looking down at a tree, looking around at him, looking at his palm, going, what did you just do? Tim, Tim Tom, the memory guy, um, holds up a hand both towards Xanatari and towards Carl, and with, kind of goes, aha! And claps his hands, you know, brings his hands together, um, sort of like assembling a class that's, you know, been talking and everything. And he, and he, and he points, points towards Carl and goes, there, that seems to be the block. There seems to be a block right there. Um, Carl, are you strong? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean... He would uh, touch his muscles, uh, flex them. I think I'm normal strong. I'm. My, my, my mother was art, you know. She was strong. My father was a lumberjack. She was strong. So I'm strong. Fairly strong, I think. Okay. Um, he waves towards Sanitari to follow him and kind of reaches down and, and, and takes Carl, tries to pick... Carl by one of the shoulders, um, as if he was, you know, just trying to scoop him up and, and, and take him along outside the door. Uh, but finds that Carl is actually pretty heavy, and he, he, he just kind of goes, tries to lift him, and suddenly stops, just because he can't, he can't get Carl up. And goes, um, <clears throat> well, um, hmm. Uh, follow me, please. <laughs> All right, good follow. Okay. Um, hurrying like rapidly down the corridor towards uh the way that will take you down the stairs and then back out. 
he's kind of dusting his hands off. He seems to have have a plan, and he he, he looks over his shoulder and goes, "Carl, do you know how strong a normal person is?" Uh, maybe a little bit less if it's, it's a normal person, a, a little bit less than me because his mother would probably not be an orc. Okay. Um, he kind of gets a little sour expression on his face, like he's about to ask something that he really, you know, doesn't quite like to ask. But he goes, um, was, was your mom a violent orc at all? You know, did she ever show hostility towards anything? Well, no, she was very, very friendly to me and, and kind to his da- my dad and, she loved me, and she loved my dad, and there wasn't anyone around to do something else with us, I think. <laughs> Sometimes when she hunted, she, uh, well, maybe because she was angry at boars and, and, uh, wild hogs, <laughs> uh, because they had hurt her, she would, um, wouldn't use a knife in hunting and try to gnaw through their heads <laughs> with their teeth. So maybe was this violent? I just I just thought she was angry at them and tried to get back at them. Hmm. He nods and goes forward, you know, down a couple flights of steps before looking back again. He goes, "Carl, are are you violent?" Oh, oh no, I'm I'm not violent. I'm never. Well, and, uh, sometimes when I have, uh, when, when people are mean to me, I have to shove them out of my way a little bit and run away, but no, no, I'm not, not violent. Not at all. Hmm. 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 <laughs> he just kind of mumbles to himself and he keeps going, and every once in a while he'll look back to make sure that, um, the Xanatari is, you know, either either following or if if she's decided that she sees something else of interest, um, you know, he's got an idea of where she's at. Um, mm-hmm. She's following a few steps behind so she can hear, but that she's able to turn around and leave if the case is necessary. Okay. Anything out of what you've heard so far? I'm curious about this tree thing, but otherwise, no. I mean, he's told us already that... I mean, we've been told that he had some sort of a transmogrifying experience with the mm-hmm. tree, so she's not entirely like, surprised about that. Okay. Um, he looks back at, again at Carl, and you, you can see sort of the outside of the uh, the plaza that the temple is in, in a little bit of ways. He looks back and goes, Carl, what if you were violent? What would you be then? Ooh. I never thought about this. Uh, if I were violent, I think I would be be been in prison or something. <laughs> well, or or hanged. Well, you <laughs> you 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 talk about you talk about things getting in your way, and you talk about you know you you've mentioned all of these things, and I just wonder if 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 you know yourself. Not that we look. Look at you poorly now, but wondering if this block of something. But uh, we we should we should try out this strength. I think this strength would be a good way of of showing you um, some stuff. All right. Okay. So um, 
he busts out of the uh, the door doorway to the temple out into the sun. And for an older guy, he's moving at a pretty good clip. Um, Cesar would uh, smoke him in a race, but he's going along at a pretty good pretty good speed. He reaches into um, his robe, pulls out what we would just consider a standard uh, penny whistle, whatever the coach's whistle, and blows on it twice. As um, they're approaching, and Carl, you will know this, um, you're heading back towards that practice field. Um, would this be a kind of signal Carl would know? Like, uh, now it's uh, time to run a few laps? Or? Um, it, is, it is to clear the practice field. But it is for um, also for the soldiers, once they clear the field, to marshal up um, into ranks, into, you know, the, the lines. So Carl would uh, probably watch the field clear and maybe sit down and at the edge of the field and awaiting some sort of demonstration. <laughs> okay. Um, Tim Todd looks a little... Uh, little amused by this and uh, again tries to urge you forward. She would stand up and uh, stand in the field looking around very <laughs> uh, very surprised. <laughs> okay. Zenitari, you are along for the ride. Is there anything that you've noticed within the um place that you're at, anything that you want to do. I'm not sure I understand the formed up in Marshall uh, description that you're giving. It's kind of like with your martial arts class. Everyone's standing in kind of the lined ranks, squads. Yeah, but where is this? Like, I mean, we followed him this whole way. The the, the training grounds where you first saw... Ah, uh, the monk Marl. kind of guys. Yes. All right. Um, I'm interested in why he would bring us all the way back here. And... Uh, and if he wants to speak to someone in specifically, so uh, she would watch because you know the military maneuvers would probably interest her in that way. And, and it's been a while since she's trained here or, or seen mm -hmm. like Kalistar battles, so mm -hmm. yeah, she would watch. Um, but you see that there's a couple targets out in the middle of the field, and uh, Tim Todd seems to be taking Carl along by himself out into the middle. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, he seems to want to incite Carl to violence, so she's definitely going to be on her guard, just in case he gets his wish. Um, okay. Very good. Cesar, uh, you found a couple things that you would be able to fix without shutting anything down. Um, okay. They're kind of dicey maneuvers. Are there any sort of precautions that you're taking so we don't have to do a roll fest here of successes or whatever? What, um, kind, of, what kind of bits and bobs have you done here? Oh, um, uh, um, you know, maybe just... Um, uh, I'm not a big expert on printing presses. Um, I don't know. Um, you, you, you twisted the thumbalizer, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't know. Um, what, what 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 goals have you tried to do accomplish instead of like what did you actually tweet? Um, just try to look at the the main thing would be like looking for um uh, anything big that's gonna like cause like a major fault that like sort of the go after the 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 bigger things first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rather than trying to like tweak little things here and there just to increase productivity, just try to keep. Look at the things that may shut this machine down in the next, you know, little bit and try to, you know, do something at least as a stopgap, um, you know, until it can be fixed better with the machine off or, uh, okay. um, you know, fix it permanently, whatever's, you know, with whatever's on hand. So let's say that you found some rods and pistons within the machine that through bumping or knocking with a staff or something, you've noticed that they were winding and grinding, mm-hmm. were wearing and grinding, um, not perfectly into the sleeve that they were supposed to fit into, and that was causing some wear and tear to a, mm-hmm. a great degree, but you can kind of bump those sure. into place, like, and it shift seems Shift them into to, alignment, right? Yeah, it's it's a very crude job, but you right. don't hear the, the screeching... Um, sound of the machine anymore. It sounds like an actual just kind of big thumping machine. And everyone seems very surprised at how quiet and even the, um, the printer appears to start shouting because he's so used to screaming over the sound of the machine. It stopped. <laughs> it stopped. It stopped. Wait. Whoa. No. It has. What? <laughs> Did it break? More blue. <laughs> Nope, just uh, made a little adjustment here. You should be able to, to keep on keep on going. Um, there is a resounding chorus of cheers because uh, from the sound dying down, the kids can actually start shouting at one another and coordinate a little bit better, but the fact that there's no sound means that they're probably not going to die in the next three seconds, or at least in a way that they will hear. So, morale tends to improve amongst um, the kids. And taking a moment, um, since you are in a highly analytical mind, um, none of the kids appear to be this guy's um, actual children. Okay. So, they're probably just callish tar kids that are on a, uh, you know, penny pennies for the page or something type deal. But um, nothing seems to stop the printer from screaming at the level that he has been accustomed to doing. But he does thank you, and he's very, very still fearful that this thing's going to stop at any moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to Carl, Tim Todd leads you out to the middle of the practice field. And he claps you on the shoulder and, you know, just kind of pats you on the shoulder and he goes, I believe you about not being violent. I will believe you for the rest of what you have said. But I think that there is a stumbling block here in that you do not know your own strength. You seem to be good but you do not realize what you are capable of. Kurt, look at him and go, how do you see this? 
I mean, I have been me for a very long time, and I think I know how strong I am. There's... You don't have a lot of experience interacting with other people, so you know yourself well, but I, I don't think that you know your capabilities quite that much. Okay, so... I should have another training fight with another monk? Something? He... He go. He he shakes his head. He goes. No, I, I I fear that if you were to have another another sparring fight, that you might seriously injure, um, injure that person. And he points to one of the training dummies, and he says, "Punch that." How would a shrug and go, okay, and walk over and without crying out or something and. Very moving, very mechanically, like he's only moving his arms and nothing else would punch the dummy. The dummy, um, unlike the last times that you have done work with these dummies, this one kind of explodes into a pile of sticks and straw. Go. Oh, uh, do you have another dummy? This one was some faulty yet. Wasn't very stable. Um, he points. He kind. He kind of smirks and nods, and he kind of waves um, Zanatari closer. Mm-hmm. Um, since she's been interested in this thing, but he he inv- he invites her onto the field into whatever c- capacity or distance she wishes to be. She just kind of looks at him, set, you know, out of the side of her eyes, like I'm not letting him punch me. He he, he shakes his head no. <laughs> Um, he points to the second training dummy that's there and says, kick that. Me or okay. him? <laughs> um, to Carl. Okay. Uh, before he does so, he would um, prod it with his fingers a few times to see if this one was more sturdy than the one before. It seems to be solid. We then shrug again and uh, without... Um, Having some sort of run up or something, he would uh, extend his leg and punch it squarely, <laughs> uh, kick it squarely in the chest. Okay. Um, the kick blows out not a perfect circle, but a portion of the chest and sends it back a good 15 feet. Oh, he would <laughs> shake his head and. Are you... Is, is this some sort of trick you you are doing to me? He would ask Todd. Mm, nope. And he, he shakes his head. He goes, no, this is just you having... Learning a bit about who you apparently are. Or what you apparently are. Apparently I'm not very lucky with training practices. They all are uh, somewhat broken inside or... Uh, Faulty, do you have someone the other monks use? Okay. There is um, a... Not exactly an iron. I don't know what it... Something slightly lighter than an iron, but there is a metal training dummy that uh, has been in this central area for about as long as you can remember. It sort of the marks the central point of the field. And... There's a tradition on D4 that normally if you roll a 20, 
you get to describe some sort of epic way whatever your success is. Since uh, you haven't had the opportunity of doing a 20 in terms of combat, I'm going to give you a chance to do um, the ability that Carl has not done before that you talked about in the email. Oh, uh, okay. But at this point, he wouldn't be really trying. He doesn't understand what Todd is um, trying him to do, and well, I'm, so I'm, now I'm, he's just going through the motions. So, right. and, I, I and, I, and I'm going, I'm going to explain that to you. But I'm just, I'm giving you the chance to have a few moments of German to English processing, and vice versa. Okay. Um, to think up a truly epic way of obliterating this this dummy as as you may or may not want to do okay okay he looks at he looks at Carl and he goes Carl good. you are potentially a very violent person that has learned to be good and we appreciate this but much like the storms that roll overhead and everything else there is a strength about you that none of us can really understand. And we need, for our safety, and for your safety, for you to understand, to start to understand this. I still don't think I'm violent, but please go on. So, with your full strength that you feel, I want you to get rid of that training dummy. But if I break it, uh, doesn't this belong to the to the temple? I don't want to uh, to cause you any inconvenience. He just he just kind kind of kind of waves his hands and he he goes, no, it's this is this is something important, and you know we would we would like to we have offered you help, and this is part of us. Attempting to help you. Oh, thank you very much. I'll do my best. So he would take a deep breath and, uh, well, punch it with his palm and not, still not really, not really giving it his fall. He was, he's, uh, he's very, still very puzzled and, Trying to figure out what's what's going on, but up to this now he isn't really giving it all he has. <laughs> so he just go clonk with his palm. Okay. And I think there's like a universal dad look that um, people can give. It's sort of like the universal mom look of you didn't really try now, did you? Uh, ooh. He would mm, take another breath and clonk again. This time's a little bit harder. Okay. Now the clonks are, are are starting to leave some dents in in the metal, and he kind of looks at you and goes, "Okay, if you were the strongest that you thought that you could be." You know, you, you've seen adventurers, you know, you've heard stories while out on the field of adventurers. If you were an adventurer 
and you were doing mighty things, how strong do you think you'd be? He would think about it, scratch his chin. Um, if I had to really to shove someone away in order to save something, I, maybe I would be a little bit stronger than I just, just punched it. But this has never occurred to me, so I don't know. I don't, I don't really tried it. Okay. Um, in order to move this along so that we can finish the episode here, um, for this episode and then we can continue on with the next one. Um, couple more clongs or whatever, but did you want to do that ability or not, or just have me pick up with where I was going to pick up with um, Tim Todd? Um, I think he would... Um, <laughs> I would like to do this ability, but he has... Um, Carl needs a reason to, to access something that, that enrages him in order to use it. Okay. Um... After a few more clongs, Tim Todd again taps you, pats you on the shoulder, and nods, and then looks at um, towards Xanatari, and he goes, "There is the making of a very good adventurer here. There is someone that needs to be out into the world, but doesn't really know so much how to do that. Um, he is going to need chaperoning companions." Perhaps. Hint, hint, nudge, wink. Do you want to take him at least part of the way back to where you're going and see if something else attracts his attention, or...? Um, well, Zemtari, having seen him, like, beat everything down and blow it up, is uh, interested in the whys and the hows and the wherefores, and she will ask Tim about it next time, but... You know, I guess turn to Cesar and kind of look at him like... Hmm, Cesar, I think, is still off on the uh, the library adventure. Okay. Well, then she would say, you know, we have to... Let's talk to Cesar about this. It's more of a group decision. Okay. With that, Xanatari, take us out, please. Thank you for listening. You can find out more at deathd4dishonor.com. Find us on iTunes at deathd4 or on Twitter at deathd4. Please take a listen to the Gray Area Podcast at genesee.com and join us next week for a worldwide adventure or stay tuned for five more minutes and we'll come back with another episode.